0: Hi, and welcome to the Kelowna Girl Tries Podcast. I'm Barb, and this is episode 100, Monday, July 11th, 2011. Hope you enjoy it. everybody. How's it going? Oh, mid-July. Gosh, I gotta love being a teacher when it's July. Yeah, I am into about day 9, day 10 of my summer vacation and uh, living in the Okanagan like I do. As we say every morning in the, in Kelowna when you wake up, you look outside and you say, just another beautiful day in paradise. Yeah, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous place to live. You know, rolling hills, uh, vineyards, orchards, uh, a town that's big enough to have the stuff you need, but small enough to still be able to get around without too much crazy traffic. Four hours from a major center of Vancouver. Big, beautiful lake that not only looks gorgeous, but you can actually get out there and do lots of fun stuff. Yep, it is a super awesome place to live. And uh, no, you can't all come and live here because I don't want it to get too big. So you'll have to excuse my voice. I don't know what's going on, but I still, like it's been two weeks now and I still have this kind of a bit of a gravelly sound of my voice, it's um, like really mild laryngitis almost. But uh, I feel totally fine. I don't feel sick or anything. And I'm, I don't know, my throat doesn't hurt. I don't have any soreness in my throat or anything. So whatever. I don't know what it is, but I'll just kind of ignore it for now and see if it goes away. And if not, you know, pretty common for teachers to strain their voices. And it was, you know, maybe I need to go and get it looked at. But anyways, for now, it's, um, it is what it is. Uh, Well, I've had a pretty good week and a half getting back into my running, and I've got some training plan stuff figured out, but uh, I think I will save that conversation for my next show, and today I'm going to just give a quick race report from the Soyuz Half Iron uh, relay that I did with Eric and my brother-in-law. And we had a great time yesterday and Sunday. We did go out and do the relay, so I'll talk about that. And then I have some email to share and a, end up with a great MP3 that Doug, um, who is Sweet Daddy D, sent me with a kind of a mini podcast in a podcast. So I'm happy to share that with you all. And all right, so race report first. Uh, I got, um, we kind of waited right until the last minute before we registered because this, re- this race, <clears throat> it just never fills up. Um, it's a tough race. It's touted as one of the toughest half Ironman races in Canada, uh, partly mainly because of the bike ride. Uh, the bike is a 90 kilometers out and back over uh, Richter Pass, down the back of Richter Pass, and then the rollers to cost, and then you turn around and come back. And this is probably one of the most challenging parts of the Ironman Canada bike course, and it is used in the half Iron. It uh, is in the town of Asoyas, which is just about 20 minutes south of Oliver, where you know I usually do my other races. Asoyas, if you've heard that name before, is because this is a place where my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law have a permanent campsite. They're down there all summer in their fifth wheel, and we always spend a week camping with them right on the uh, U.S.-Canada border. And uh, so it's kind of a place where I've ridden quite a bit, and I'm familiar with it. I don't usually think about doing the Desert Half because not only the bike is hard, but um I could handle that, but the run uh, after that bike is it's a flat more or less flat run along the lake. It's quite pretty, a two loop run, but uh July. It's the second weekend of July and that is probably I would say one of the hottest weekends of the summer in general. So last year, for example, it was uh, 37 Celsius, which is 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It's a hot and dry, almost desert-like climate in that area, Um, quite a bit like, um, I would say, I would liken it to parts of Arizona, you know, not as hot as Arizona, but it certainly can get that hot. Uh, anyways, that's why I never do it on my own. But they do offer a relay option, which many 70.3s don't do. So we decided. My Last year, my brother-in-law did it with his two sons. He cycled, and uh, one son swam, one son uh, did the run. But uh, they're not available this year. So I, uh, of course, had to do the swim because Eric and Yog, neither one of them swim at all. And it was the only thing that I could do that nobody else could do. Uh, Eric is, of course, could have done the bike. Uh, he would have been good on the bike, but um, uh, he is opted for the run. And Yogi did, my brother-in-law Yogi, did the bike because that is his one and only sport. Uh, he used to run when he was young, but uh, now he doesn't run anymore. So um, Yogi rides that Richter quite often, so he's pretty familiar with the ride. And he's a pretty strong cyclist, even though he's 64. Our team was called Sangria Thria because we enjoy drinking sangria when we're down in a Soyuz camping. And uh, especially Yogi, he's, it's his favorite. And our combined ages for this team was 176 years old. Uh, Yogi is 64, Eric 61, and I'm 51. So we had a good time. Uh, we went out just to have fun, had no expectations. Last year there were 13 relay teams. This year there were only five uh, when I looked at the times of people, I really didn't think we had much of a chance. Uh, when you looked at last year's results, um, my brother-in-law and his sons, I think they placed fifth last year, and they had a really good time, and I knew we wouldn't come close to that time from last year. So so uh, we didn't expect to do, do too well, so we went into it just with the plan of having a good time. I made it really clear to Eric and Yog that, uh, you know, I'm not going to do this swim in probably under 50 minutes, especially given that Oliver swim was 50. So I don't expect to be uh, faster unless the Oliver swim is long, which I expected it was. And uh, yeah, you know, that was my expectation. I said, don't, you know, I'm not going to be able to do any faster just because I'm not doing the bike and run after. I just, I swim as fast as I swim and that's it. So they were happy with that. They didn't care as long as we all went out and had a good time. Uh, got up early. We went down there actually Saturday night and then, uh, I actually, no, sorry, Saturday morning and we stayed overnight there and got up early Sunday morning. So I could, I was going to miss my long run. So I, uh, I actually got up six o'clock Saturday morning and did my 15 K long run. And then we went out and drove down to Soyuz. It's about a two hour drive. And let's see, Sunday morning, we got up at five, got ready. I didn't do any of my ritualistic behavior because I wasn't really taking it very seriously. Subsequently, I ended up eating some yogurt and granola that I never eat normally before a race. And it sat there like a lump of lead in my gut, causing me some indigestion and made me feel really uncomfortable right before the swim. So I was kicking myself, kicking myself that I'd done that. Uh, but I knew it wasn't going to be a big effect on me. Since I wasn't biking or running, but you know, I just thought, geez, I really don't need this when I'm trying to swim. Had my wetsuit on and felt quite tight, uh, just because of my gut feeling too full, and I ended up having it on for quite a while before we started. Anyways, uh, got all ready to go. Pretty small group. The men left, and then the women after them. I would say the men outnumbered the women two or three to one. I'm sure. I haven't looked at the stats but uh, there were end up only being 5 relay teams this year and although 284 people registered there were only 230 that showed up and 219 that finished plus the f- plus the five relay teams so very small crowd I knew that uh, because this race is highly competitive. The people that are out there racing are pretty serious athletes. The most average people tend to opt for the Oliver, which is a lot easier. And so (laughs) when I see the times, uh, you know, even though my 50-minute swim was maybe in the bottom third at Oliver, I knew I was going to be in the bottom uh, 10 people in this particular race. So I definitely seated myself well back and didn't rush into the water or anything when they blew the horn. Kind of waited till everybody sort of got out of my way and just walked in slowly. Got in the water, started swimming. And uh, just, I think I'm probably done like a hundred meters or so. And I got a, splash of water in the face just when I looked up to sight. You know common happens, always does, and hit me and end up with a mouthful of water, but I just happened to be taking a breath right then, and I I inhaled some of the water. Oh, there I am, hacking away, and, you know, and it doesn't freak me out mentally anymore because, you know, you get kind of used to it, but it's always a bit of a startle. So I, you know, coughed a little bit and got rid of the water and and started trying to swim, and that little bit of tickle in my throat uh, just... I don't know. It it really bothered me. Uh, my chest started feeling really constricted, and I was really having trouble getting a good deep breath in. And every time I took a breath in, I was just that little bit of water that was, uh, you know, you know how something goes down the wrong way, and it, you can hardly breathe or hardly talk. I was feeling kind of like that. Uh, this whole situation ended up kind of triggering a, a small mild um, asthma. I don't want to say asthma attack because that sounds serious, but it was kind of along that way. I have exercise induced asthma and I haven't had any kind of issues with asthma at all, not exercise related or anything else for several years. Yet every time I go for a race, I always use my puffer, my inhaler right before a race. And I know that sometimes because the bikes of these races tend to be pretty early in the morning. If I do have a problem um, it's when I'm riding really hard and it's early in the morning, the air is cool and damp. That's the time when I will be most likely to have an asthma attack. Well, I didn't even bring my puffer to a Soyuz with me because I wasn't racing. And I didn't think about the swim, the fact that the air is cool and damp in the morning. I never thought about the fact that I could end up having an asthma problem because I always take, use my puffer before a race, so I've never had an issue. Well, uh, there I am a couple hundred meters into the swim. I'm not even at the first buoy yet. And uh, I'm really struggling to breathe. And I st- and that t- itself triggers some panicky feelings. You know, um, I started feeling really scared and I felt really nervous and think, Oh my God, I'm not gonna be able to do the swim. And I can't get a breath. And I, <gasps> I can't get a deep breath. You know, I'm trying to take a breath in. I'm not feeling like I'm getting enough oxygen. And of course, you know, it sort of very quickly can exacerbate into, into something full blown, either a full-blown either panic attack or an asthma attack, you know, if you're not uh, careful. Uh, I was thinking, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to swim. And I was wanting to like flag down a boat right away, which is <laughs> not a good way to start a run race. Uh, but then at the back of my mind, I thought, oh my God, this is not about me. This is like Eric and, and uh, Yogi, they're waiting to do their route. It's not like if I fail on the swim My day's ruined. I'm going to wreck their whole day. They won't be able to do it. So I've got to figure this out, you know. Well, these are all thoughts that are just flashing through my head in probably a 15-second span. Uh, I very quickly realized, okay, I'm not going to need to flag down help. I I have so many times had panicky feelings in the water, uh, and I've always managed to calm myself down and overcome it. There's no reason I'm not going to be able to do that now. I know I can do it. Uh, Don't be stupid kind of thinking, you know. And... So I thought, okay, settle down. And so I flipped over onto my back right away. And I thought, I know, I just got to flip on my back, relax my body. That'll help my breathing and it'll settle my heart rate down and I'll stop gasping for breath so quickly and just relax a little bit. And uh, a lady beside me saw me flip over and says, are you okay? And I said, "Uh, yeah. I said, no, I'm just having a little mini panic attack, but I'll be fine. I just got to settle myself down. And, uh, you know, I have not had this happen like, I don't think I've ever had that happen in a race, actually. And I don't think I've felt that way for a couple of years. So it was kind of surprising to me. Um, but really quite related to my breathing. Uh, anyways, I settled myself down and it took, I took a few minutes, paddled on my back for a minute and thought, well, there's no way I'm going to finish the race doing this. I got to start trying to swim. Flipped over. I did some really slow kind of swimming, just trying to get my face in the water and then take some breaths. And uh, I was wheezing pretty bad and really feeling my breathing was constricted. And I was actually even pulling away at my wetsuit at my neck, thinking it was constricting too tight on my neck and my throat. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, I I managed to talk myself down pretty quickly and settle myself in. And I started swimming really slowly and I started breathing only on one side. The uh, splashing that had been happening was coming from the left. So I thought that'll help too. I swam about 100 meters, and by now my goggles were completely fogged up, so I'm trying to sight, and the sun, of course, is just coming up, and it's shining off the water, and I cannot even tell at all where I'm going. So this is ridiculous. Usually I have some kind of spot that I can look through, but anyways. So I stopped again and treaded water, and meanwhile I'm losing more and more ground with this group of women who are, you know, gone. And if you've ever done an open-water swim, you know, you can see the people that are maybe within a meter of you and then the rest is just little blobs of colored hats far in the distance and you have no idea where you are in relation to anybody else for the most part so anyways i i uh, cleared my goggles and treaded water for a minute and put them back on all the time losing more ground and finally got swimming again and i managed to get to the first buoy and it's a big triangle out there and you have to do two laps which is the first time i've ever done that Made the first boy started getting into a bit more of a regular pace. Swam steadily towards the second boy, rounded that corner. Now I'm headed back to shore to finish my first lap, and uh, I started feeling, you know, okay. I think I can start to pick up the pace a little bit. So I started swimming harder, which of course you know tires you out a little bit more, and I really felt like my form was terrible. I wasn't doing a good pull. I was not rocking my body in any way, turning. I was just doing a really crappy swim job because all I was thinking about is how I was breathing or not breathing. I ended up getting, um, every time I took a breath, I could hear myself wheezing quite hard. And I was scared that I was going to trigger a a further or a, a bigger asthma attack where I would have to stop. So I slowed myself down again. And I just swam a nice, steady, slow, relaxed pace. Uh, to get to the edge of the water. And I got out. My legs were very wobbly. Uh, Eric and uh, my family were watching on the shore and they were quite concerned. I talked to them afterwards. They said they were quite concerned about me that I was, they're really worried about me making that next lap. Oh, gee, is she okay? Because I was looking like, I, get, I tend to get out of the water and I tend to be really disoriented and wobbly, but I, I guess I looked way worse than I normally do. Anyways, uh got back in the water and I didn't hurry. I didn't run or anything. I just walked around and thought, oh, my God, I have to do this all over again. Crap, what am I doing? But I've done one. I can do another. So I got in the water, just, and I just kept swimming. And I, I just swam nice and steady, and I didn't try and rush. And amazingly, when I my goal was 50 minutes. So I told Eric, I said, I'm going to be turning, you know, getting onto the beach at 25 minutes. And then that's sort of what I'm expecting. And I was surprised to see that when I got to the uh, turnaround on the beach, I was at twenty four thirty, So it's not that I thought I was swimming faster than I did at Oliver. I, it was just to me more, more confirmation that the course at Oliver was indeed long as I had suspe- suspected. So anyways, I, I finished off the swim, got out of the water, felt, felt okay. Um, I was wheezing quite a bit and if I'd had my puffer, I would have used it, but I didn't feel like I needed any kind of medical care or anything. I, it was just once I got out of the water, I was okay. And I ran up, skipped the wetsuit stripping because I'm in a relay and I don't need it. Uh, Ran up into a transition and it's nice. It's not too, too far. You've got a little bit of running on the sand and then onto the grass and through a tunnel. And uh, where my brother-in-law was waiting on his bike, ready to get on his bike and gave him the timing chip off my ankle, he put it on and he jumped on the bike and headed out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm finished. And my time... um, I'm going to guess my time when I got out of the water was a little under under 48 minutes. Uh, by the time I crossed the timing mat, which was partway through the run, it was 49.28. That was my official time. So you know what? I was amazingly happy with that. I was expecting, uh, I think I, if I hadn't had the asthma issue, I probably would have had probably 47, 46, 47 minutes. I think I could have easily done. So, you know, all in all, pretty good race. And I learned something, Uh, you know, in fact, the last race, as I was driving home, Eric and I were chatting and I said, you know, I don't think I need to use my puffer anymore. I don't know why I even bother. I only use it when I'm racing and clearly I actually do need it. So I think I will always carry it close by, even just for a swim. And I was thinking back when I swam across a lake last year, I definitely used my puffer. So I don't know what I was, why I didn't take it. I don't know. Lesson learned. So, uh, Yogi went out on the bike. Uh, he did three hours and 19 minutes last year, but he said he hasn't been riding as much or as hard this year. So he didn't feel he would do as well. Uh, he's waiting for a hip replacement. And, um, so, you know, I'm always, when I see him walking, I'm always amazed that he's, uh, he's able to cycle. He is a strong cyclist though. And, uh, at 64, he's, he does an excellent job. So, of course, uh, I'm going to say there were maybe 10 people in the water behind me, and the other 210 uh, were out on the course by the time Yog got on the bike, and the first thing he has to do is climb up Richter. And he passed people left, right, and center, because he's a good, strong cyclist. Got, uh, I think he passed something like 37 people altogether, he counted, and only a few of them passed him. He was keeping an excellent pace and looked like he was going to come in fairly close to his last year's time. Uh, although we kind of expected it probably around three and a half hours this year was sort of the goal time. but uh, when he just came came uh, heading back, climbing up the back side of Richter. His uh, legs cramped up quite badly, and he ended up losing a little bit of time in just the tail end of the ride, which is too bad for him. But uh, I think uh, Yog needs to start using some electrolytes because he was out there on the ride with, uh, for three and a half hours with basically just water. I think he might have had uh, some gels as well, but um, yeah, uh, so I think he's going to start looking into the whole electrolyte thing. Uh, anyways, uh, he got into the, the transition for at uh, 3 hours and 34 minutes, so really close to our goal time, very happy. And Eric headed out on the run. Now, Eric was really hoping to do sub 2. Uh, I was uh, earlier, oh, I'd say a month or so ago, I was pretty skeptical that he'd be able to pull that off given that he hasn't done any training. But um, since his um, fast recovery from his exter- steroid. Ster- which was excellent and then he had a 10k run after that and he did really well and felt strong and no pain in his sore knee that's been bothering him in the past and then Wednesday last week he did a 15k run and kept the pace that he's hoping for and felt at the end of that 15k that he thinks he's going to be able to keep that pace for the whole half marathon and so I thought well I think he can do a sub two. Um, The temperature um, was not super hot like it is often it was only about uh, 25, 26, 27 degrees, and it was uh, high overcast, so um, it was kind of nice. It was it was hot, but it wasn't horribly hot, and that's just manageable. So we went out and watched him on the course, and every time I saw him, he was right at pace. And even that last 2k part, which is the the only really hilly part and really brutal to get, because you pass the finish line and you have to go run out and back 2k, which is always awful. But uh, he came in at one hour fifty-eight minutes and nine seconds. Just an amazing, amazing run for that guy. So we we're super excited and expecting that he's going to be able to pull off some considerably faster half half marathons. Uh, our overall time was six hours twenty-four minutes and forty seconds. And uh, the two men, I can say safely say, managed to pull us out of the dull, the uh, bottom of the pack to put us in third place because of their excellent. Uh, tr- bike and run And we ended up getting third place In the relay overall So real excited We got a little toffee and sangria three For the win Good times And that was just a really fun Fun to be down there and involved While we were down there We also got to meet up with Erin uh, 337 From the Trine Reality Podcast From uh, She's from Vancouver And uh, saw a number of other friends uh, Tribug and um, Watched uh, Oh, who else? Some local people, James and Claire and Tamara and Brent and some other people that, uh, not not podcast listeners, but um, but local gals and guys that are fun to watch. And boy, those guys are amazingly fast. They just pulled off some amazing times for that race. Well, uh, yeah, that's it. And my next up now, I'm just focused on training for the uh, half marathon on July 31st. My long runs are getting longer and uh, hoping to to survive all of that I'm going to talk more about my training and the plan that I'm doing uh, in on my next show which will be next weekend that's my plan probably again Monday because I'll be away next weekend all right so we got some email here so I'm just going to take a quick look here there we go first of all I got an email from Michelle and um Michelle emailed me. I answered her. Then she sent me a res- a second email in response cuz I'd asked her some questions. And I didn't answer her right away. Um I and I don't I don't even remember reading the email. And uh, but yet I did have it in my in my mailbox. And uh, after a couple, about a week or so she emailed me again just to double check that I got it. I was really happy she did because if that's ever happened to you if anybody um has ever if you've ever emailed me and I've not responded to you at all, either on the show or directly, um, please remind me or email me again. Once in a while, uh, I get my email on my iPhone as well as my home computer. And if I get an email on my iPhone and take a quick glance at it and realize it's kind of a long one that I want to respond to, and then I come home and I just, maybe I was busy when I did it, I forget. It's marked as red on my computer at home and I, I won't always realize that I've got it. And so I could conceivably miss it so please send it again so thankfully Shelly did um well it says Michelle but her name's Shelly so okay anyways she said hello Barb hope this finds you well she congratulated me for the race and uh, um, she, she comments about being an inspiration to us older than 20 or 30 something women which is uh, that's sort of my goal you know I mean to, to let you know that people our age can and do get out there and have fun racing and and it can even be competitive So Shelly says, I'm ready to sign up for my first triathlon, and she gave me a link to it. She said, I'm a runner, and I've been riding a road bike since last year. Admittedly, not enough time has been spent on the bike, and therefore I turn to you for advice. I'm getting more comfortable with each ride, and frankly, I enjoy the alternative endurance sport versus running. My question is regarding shifting, and please excuse my ignorance here. But I'm going to interject and say um, she doesn't have any ignorance, actually. Everything she says is right on, and uh, I'll tell you my response to her email. But uh, here's what she'd asked, and, and everything that she suggested were, were exactly right. She said, I understand the basics of shifting, keeping the chain from the extremes of the chain ring. Don't shift when climbing up hard hills or risk throwing off the chain, or at least that's what I've been told. And when I'm, what I'm having trouble with is knowing when to shift from the small chain ring to the large chain ring. And she's talking about the front rings here. I find that I utilize the entire spectrum of the small chain ring, uh, but then I need to go to the big chain ring. I have to downshift back to the middle of the small chain ring uh, in in order to start out in a decent gear of the large one. Is there a sweet spot, say the middle of the small ring, where I should just switch up and forget about the last couple of gears on the small ring? I think this can be dependent on what's upcoming on the course. If you're going to be riding on a flat, fast road for a while, or, or you're going to... Um, Uh, if there's hills, maybe you can use a small ring now because you'll soon need it for the hills. I feel that when I downshift to prepare for the move to the big ring, I lose time and momentum, which is counterproductive. So I ask for your help. And she says, I hope that makes sense. And it certainly does, exactly. One of the things I want to comment about is one of the things she talked about uh, is to avoid cross-chaining, what you call cross-chaining. And that's being on your big ring on the front and your small ring on the back, or vice versa. So you have this big, long stretch. And it can make for some not very... Well, it can stretch your chain a bit. It can do a little bit of damage to your gears. and, And your bike won't run very smoothly, so you'll, whatever ring you're on in the front, you'll usually only go make um, them, I don't know, go through half or a little, maybe two thirds of the, of the gears in the back before you switch out. So that's the first thing. Um, and I commented uh, to her that I have a double in front, not a triple. So we're, she and I are both talking about having the small ring in the front ring, a small ring and the big ring in the front, but some of you might have three in the front, so a small, medium, and a large, and it still um, works the same. I said, I tend to ride in my small ring in front and use most of the back range if I'm on rolling hills, and I always try to avoid cross-chaining, and I try to keep my cadence around 85 to 95, so I've got a tough time I have a tough time climbing the smaller hills if I'm in my front ring, the big ring in the front. And so that's why I tend to stay in the small front ring on the rollers. When I'm on the flats, I'll do the same, but I'm more likely to stay in the big ring in front. Um, But here's what I commented about uh, what to do and when to shift. And I said, if you're in your big ring and you're approaching your hill and you've already shifted to easier gears in the back and you feel you still need an easier gear, you're right. You will have that moment or two of spin when you shift to your small front ring. And so the best thing to do is to do what's called double shifting. And that means you shift your front and your rear derailleurs at the same time. And it's it's common to do. It's a good skill to have. And it's not going to hurt your your bike or your derailleurs. And uh, I gave her a link to Sheldon Brown's site, which has overall sheldonbrown.com has some excellent uh, resources for cyclists. So if you've got any really specific cycling questions, um, Sheldon Brown's site is excellent. And sadly, Sheldon himself died of cancer a couple years ago, but uh, his site is still there and he's got lots of information. Um, And I commented another thing to remember when you're shifting is always ease up on the pedals slightly when you're shifting, especially if you're starting a climb. And uh, I said, I hope that makes sense. Now, the other thing, she had a few questions here. Um, She said, here's another one of those things you have to ask the right person. She says, what's the deal with bike jerseys? And she says, are there rules about wearing race logos, team logos, or product logo, logo jerseys? I get the impression that some cyclists look down upon you if you're wearing a certain jersey. I'm not terribly bothered by those types of snobs, but if I'm, viol- I'm violating some unwritten rule by wearing a Tour of California race jersey that I really love and I got for a great, great price, I'm going to wear it when I'm riding alone then. And uh, my comment to her was first of all, I mean, they sell those jerseys, so personally, I don't think, I think if you want to buy one and wear one, you know, go ahead and buy one and wear one. Um, there are certainly some people who think that you shouldn't wear a a specific jersey unless you've actually done the race and uh, i guess to a certain extent that's true but if it's like a tour de france jersey i mean everyone knows you haven't done the tour and it's not like you're trying to pass it off like you're you've ridden the tour so you know in that respect and i find sort of as a general rule i find roadies uh, people who, uh, road cyclists um tend to be a little bit more snobbish than the um than triathletes I find triathletes are less snobbish and there tends to be a little bit of uh, I don't know a little bit of animosity sometimes between roadies and they, they don't like triathletes riding with them and I think because they have different rules of the road sometimes but uh, anyways um, what else did I tell her I say where anyways I told her I said wear what you want to wear and ignore the jerks who cares what they think I suppose there is probably some unwritten law about not wearing jerseys of races you haven't actually done, but who really cares about the snobs? Roadies can sometimes be pretty snobbish, especially against triathletes, so I just ignore them and move on. And I gave her a link, and I'll put this in the show notes, of a supposedly tongue-in-cheek about the rules of cycling, but I suspect many roadies take them pretty seriously. And they're called, it's called, at the blog, called Volum, Minati, I don't know how to pronounce it, V-E-L-O-M-I-N-A-T-I dot com. It's blog, and it's called The Dash Rules. And I got this from Daryl um, originally, and he's always quoting the rules. They're super funny. There's like probably, I don't know, 100 rules or 50 rules or something but uh, I'll put the link in there if you want to have a good laugh uh, at the cyclist's expense. And uh, one more question she had. How do you keep the water out of your ears when you're swimming? I hate water in my ears. And she says, sometimes a swim cap helps, but not always. Do I wear earplugs? And if so, can you still hear what you need to hear while you're wearing them? And I said, yeah, I I agree. I I hate getting water in my ears too. And I I try to pull my swim cap down far enough so it doesn't get in but invariably it does. Um, I don't wear earplugs and I just seem to suffer through them through the water in my ears but um, um, there definitely are earplugs out there and I can't say as I've, I've worn them so I don't really know how much. I think it would kind of depend on how whether you need to be able to hear or not. If you're at a club meet where you need to hear a coach or somebody telling you what to do it's probably not a good idea or if you're swimming I think in an open water swim you probably don't want to have them in uh, just so that you're more aware of you know people around you or boats or anything like that. But uh, I think if I have just swimming laps by myself in the pool and just want to just keep on going, I, I think maybe earplugs might be a good way to go. Uh, one of the thing, tricks I learned is how to get the water out of my ears because when I first would uh, swim, I, to get it out I would just turn my head sideways and it just didn't seem to come out. Then I found out I actually had to put my... Here, I start putting my head back now And then you can't hear me But I would put my head back and sideways at the same time And it would pour out um, a lot more quickly So um, that's one of my suggestions And uh, I don't know what I'm just looking to see what else I said to her If I said anything else Yeah, that's basically it So just make sure your head is back And a bit of a shake Sometimes I just come home and I'll just lay on the couch And put my head kind of sideways And tilt it back or off the bed and the water drains out pretty darn quick um you know if you tend to get a uh, swimmer's ear, which uh, means some like middle ear infections from swimming, you may want to get uh, earplugs though all right um she has oh and then she made some comments about the podcast, so I had responded to her with um though with those bits of information and she said uh, thanks for your prompt response I'm glad to learn about the double shifting technique I didn't realize this could be done without harm to the bike I think that might just be the missing link for me no pun intended she said I too focus on cadence keeping at least 90 rpm so this should really help keep me spinning and thanks for the Sheldon Brown link I'll be spending some more time on that site I've also been looking to YouTube for video help She said, and she came up with a really good comment, which I I really like. That's why I want to share this. She said, I really dislike those who are snobbish, and it was actually one of the deterrents for me getting into triathlons. Fortunately, so far, my experience with triathletes has been very positive and not snobbish at all. I took an open water swim and transition class a few weeks ago, and and it made sure it was appropriate for beginners. When I arrived, I let the instructors know that I had no actual triathlon experience and very little open water swim experience. I couldn't have been treated any better. One instructor stayed with me for most of the time and helped me with the basics, and I I felt comfortable enough to ask some of those dumb-sounding beginner questions. I was so impressed I joined the club that sponsored the event, and it was Endurance Multisport. She gave me the link. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to have you as a sounding board as well. And so that's, um, you know, and anytime you guys, you're asking me questions, I'm, I'm always giving you my opinion and I try to get back it up with some links and stuff, but mine is not the only opinion out there. So please do get uh, other opinions as well. Uh, and she said, uh, something else I thought about was regarding a clip on arrow bars. And she gave me some links about various types and um, saw that they came in different shapes and sizes. And she wondered if that was to do with comfort or was one shape somehow better than another shape. And I have to admit with her, to her that I have really basic aero bars that are connected at the top and I have not put a lot of money or time into... I haven't put a lot of money into getting better quality aero bars. I just feel like in order to get me faster, uh, you know, losing the five pounds would probably make a bigger difference than... Or, and riding my bike more would make a bigger difference than spending a lot more money on aero bars. Um, mine are connected at the top. Eric's are straight... Two straight bars... Um, and then of course they have the next step up where you can put shifters or, or brakes um, at bar end shifters at the end of your arrow bar. So you don't have to take, get out of arrow at all. And they have lots of it. And I would suspect to a certain degree, the more expensive they are, the, you know, the more features they have, maybe the better quality, uh, they might be lighter weight and that sort of thing. But I just don't have enough personal experience to be able to make a really intelligent comment on that. So. I will leave that, and I think um, when we were talking about um, triathletes and and, uh, when to call yourself a triathlete, she also made the comment about, here's some food for thought too. I think you can call yourself a triathlete at any point after you've done all three sports and training. I don't know what the elitism is about. If you run, but you've never entered a race, no one would think twice about calling you a runner. If you ride a bike, you can still call yourself a cyclist. You don't need to race. And in fact, most of us have no desire to race a bicycle. I think most would agree that riding a century for pleasure or charity is not considered a race. And they're still cyclists. So I think that's a good point. You know, are you still a triathlete if you do all three sports? Good point. Um, And she also said, I've been thinking more about the cycling jersey question that I asked earlier. She said, do you have a favorite team? She said, I do, and I wear my favorite hockey or baseball or football jersey frequently. Does that imply that I played on those teams? No, and I don't think that I would ever be accused of playing baseball for the L- L.A. Dodgers. Conversely, I could um, could I even ride in the tour, de to whatever? No, unless they have a women's division. Frankly, I think the cycling teams and events love to have the free advertising. Okay, I've said my piece and I'm done. By the way, I'm becoming more confident with my shifter. It's one of the couple of things I've been concentrating on widening. Thanks again for your input. All right, so thanks very much, Shelley from PA. That's Phil. No, oh, PA. I don't know Pennsylvania. That's my guess. <laughs> I'm learning a lot about Amer- American geography. All right, thanks very much, Shelley. I got an email from Leslie. She said, "Just wondering if you have any tips for the first-time buyer in the wetsuit goggles market." I know it's personal preference, but I don't even know where to start. I don't want to spend my retirement fund, but I don't want to shop for this every year either. I also had a question about cycling. I think I remember you said in a podcast about no underwear, undercycling, or tri-shorts. I've changed saddles, but I still have some soreness after 15 or so miles in the soft tissue. Again, I want to thank you for your candidness in your podcast. My husband and I really joined them, and we're encouraged by them and informed. Hope your school years ended well. Thank you, Leslie. All right. And uh, here's what I told Leslie. Uh, I said, ah, goggles. I own so many pairs now. (laughs) I have to say my faves are very expensive Aquasphere goggles. Uh, The ones I have are Vista and they're actually almost kind of a cross between. They're not a small goggle. They're quite big. They're almost like a, like a face mask type thing, but I love them. They're about 50 bucks. But uh, like you said, they're very much personal preference and to do with your face shape and your eye shape. So what fits one person isn't necessarily going to fit another. And what I suggested to her was to go to a swim store and actually try on a bunch of different brands. That's what I did. Took them out of the boxes. I pushed them onto my face without even using the strap and make sure the suction would hold them on tight. And then I put the strap on and I moved my face around and moved my head around to make sure... That uh, they weren't gonna come apart from my face, because you don't want water leaking there in there at all. And I would suggest you start with the cheapest ones and keep on moving up until you find some that are reliable. You don't necessarily have to go spend fifty bucks on a pair of goggles. And uh, I hate to tell you, though, you sometimes can't tell until you've actually swum with them a few times. And getting um, exa- um, suggestions from other swimmers doesn't always work because, uh, like I said, you know, they everyone's face is a different shape, so. It's just a hate to say, but it's a try and and see what you think on your own and uh recycling shorts, yes, it's best without undies because the band leg band of your underwear can actually cause chafing also if you have cotton underwear, they're sweaty um you're not wearing uh something that's going to um wick away sweat from you so it can be more uncomfortable now the solution um for chafing can depends a lot on where the chafing is. And chafing is just a rawness that's caused by rubbing. Or, uh, and now, if you have chafing, it's one solution. As, or just tenderness, like a kind of a bruised feeling or feeling tender is a different issue altogether. Um, now, if, it's, if your rear end is just tender, it's uh, almost a bruised feeling. It might mean that you just need more time in the saddle. It's really common to feel tenderness on the sit bones or any other part that's feeling pressure when you first start riding. And sometimes it takes a few weeks before that starts to go away. But uh, you can also feel tender in any spot that's touching the saddle, right? As well as what I call the girly bits, as us biker chicks like to call them. And sometimes a seat adjustment will help, uh, tipping the nose up a little or down a little. And you might think tipping the nose up is a bad thing, but uh, I found actually I did that up a little bit because it caused my hips to uh, shift back and put more weight on the on my sit bones. So uh, play around with the height and and uh, nose up, nose down of your saddle a little bit before you um, completely throw out the saddle. And you may want to try a different saddle as well. Now, um, the other thing I I found that I had some uh, irritation too was when my handlebars were lower and I I just raised up my my bars just a little bit um, by putting a little spacer in between, took the handlebars right off, put a spacer in there and that just lifted up my whole, it changed my whole body position enough when I was in arrow bars that I didn't feel the same kind of pressure now if you're actually having chafing and that's a situation where you're getting some rawness actually rubbed raw skin then you want to probably try some chamois cream and there you can get out there and find all sorts of uh, lovely expensive chamois cream chamois is spelled c-h-a-m-o-i-s uh, that's a french word and um, it's also I've seen it spelled chamois s-h-a-m-m-y Uh, And they have a lot of different brands out there and they're probably like anywhere from 15 to 25 bucks for a pretty small tube. But I'm going to tell you what I buy. I spend uh, about $3. I go to Walmart and I buy um, a little tube of a brand of this body butter stuff. It has shea butter in it. Um, I've put a link. I'll put a link in the show notes and it's, um, I use it and it doesn't cause me any kind of trouble, but it does, does everything I need. Keeps the chafing at, at bay, and you can. They used to put it right chamois butter right on the chamois of your. And that's the padded part of your cycling shorts, um, so you can put it right on your shorts. Or you, I just put it on my body, but um, you know whatever you like. And I also mentioned if her hubby was having pain in the saddle, he's he can benefit from chamois cream as well. But the pressure issues are obviously different for a man, and I can't tell you I know a lot about uh, m- men's issues in <laughs> in finding the right saddle so um and if yeah okay anyway she responded thanks for the tips. sometimes i just don't know if something is normal or not and i know that's so true you know especially when i started i i didn't know is this a normal pain or is this a you know and every year when i get back on my bike after i've been off it for a little while it always takes me a couple of weeks to stop hurting including my wrists my shoulders my neck everything She said, I don't seem to have chafing, just soreness. She said, I did change saddles, and I'm really looking forward to having a bike adjustment session next week, and hopefully that'll improve the ride. But she lives in a small community in uh, Manitoba, and she has to travel three or four or five hours to get to Regina or Winnipeg to go at a bike shop. So sometimes it just isn't just easy to drop in when you have questions. I totally get that. She said, I've participated in duathlons, and I'd like to continue to improve my swimming to move into a try." My husband and I are more... Uh, in the running and off-road cycling as we are surrounded by dirt roads and trails I absolutely adore road cycling though as I spent much time super early in the mornings on the highways to avoid traffic as much as possible so back to the tri-goal I have a cheap water skiing wetsuit which I've been using for lake swimming we've got no indoor pool she says you must think we live in the boonies and I guess we kind of do I've been reading and checking wetsuit brands but it's helpful to get some personal feedback from others I have to tell you, I'm in the market for a new wetsuit, and I, I think by the end of the summer, um, maybe probably in fall, I'm going to buy a new one. So I'm going to be researching and looking into lots of information. Right now I have none. I have a basic Orca wetsuit that I bought used four years ago, and it was two years old at the time. And it's still fine, but I'm just afraid, it, you know, one of these summers it's going to die, and I need to have a new one. So I would like to have a second one. Uh, she said, uh, my current goal is to figure out how to change a flat tire in two and a half years. I've not had a flat on the road bike. So it's not, it's been easy to pretend it won't happen. Yeah. I have never, can you believe I've never had a flat on my Madone yet? Knock on wood. I haven't had to change a flat for ages. So I made sure when I, uh, when I put new tubes in my bike that, uh, I did it myself so I could <laughs> actually have some practice. Uh, she said, I'm considering whether I should try the clip on pedals, and shoes, it makes me very nervous. And I clearly remember your story from a podcast telling about coming to an intersection and not clipping in, in time, clipping out in time and falling over. Fitness and exercise isn't the norm here where I live. I think percentage-wise, it's probably no different than most areas. However, the population is small, so it's very apparent when you stand up uh, when you run or bike on the roads. Anyways, thanks again for your advice and again for your podcast. Good luck on your upcoming events. Yeah, and, uh, and I was just going to say, you know, I... Uh, it's not a. It is a little scary. The idea of trying clip on clip, p- clipless pedals, They're called clipless. That's because you used to use those cages which were called clips, and now uh, they took the cages off, and these were clipless. But uh, you do clip into them. If you set them really loose at first, so you can unclip super easy. And what I did was, when I first bought them, I rode around the block, around around the neighborhood slowly, and I just all I did was pedal pedal and I'd clip in clip out clip in clip out just over and over and over again and then every time I got to a corner I would clip out and stop and then I'd start riding and I'd clip back in and I just did it so that I felt super con- um, con- uh I became to become really aware of it con- conscious of it that's what I'm trying to say and uh, I found that helped a lot and I've really only had two just a couple of small falls and one is because my chain fell off so you can hardly count that so Anyways, um, good luck on that. And if you decide to try it, let us know how it goes. Uh, let's see. Nikki. Nikki uh, sent us, and Nicole sent us a race report because I'd commented that uh, she had done her first race. So she said, here's my attempt at a race report for you. First of all, when I checked my time on the night after the try, it was different than it was on the next day's final results. But I'm still happy with my time of one twenty-eight. I started that morning pretty nervous and was only able to eat half a banana and some water, but I felt okay for the start. I took your advice and I got a bento bag for my uh, bike and I stocked it with a power bar and a gel just in case. The water was 71 degrees and the outside temperature was cool for morning for late uh, late June, 60 degrees. So I was sure glad I had the wetsuit, which fit great. The swim was out and back on the swim lane of the lake, which I have done several times including one in my wetsuit so I was pretty comfortable with the course it was only 400 yards and my time was 8 minutes 54 seconds T1 was interesting I didn't really race through any of the transitions, transitions. I just wanted to survive I never practiced taking my wetsuit off fast so I kind of got stuck and ended up having my friend, her first try too pull it off my arms I took both my arms out at the same time smiley face so funny we had to laugh about that for a long time My T1 time ended up being 3 minutes and 26 seconds. Pretty slow, but that's okay. I hopped on my bike and was kind of cold at first, but then felt better after I got my legs moving. I finished in 44.10. The course was 12 miles and it had two loops. T2 was a little faster, 3.14, no stuck wetsuit this time. I waited for my friend to get there before I began my run also. She wasn't that far behind me and we decided at the start to run this together. She was nervous as she's not much of a runner, so I talked her through the whole 5k. She did great, and even though I know I could have run faster, I was glad to stick with her and have us finish together. She's one of my Pilates students and one of my best friends. My time on the run was 29.05. Slow for me, but overall a great race. I felt amazing in the end, and I actually felt like I could have run another three miles, but I think it was adrenaline because I was sure tired later that day. Well, we're both hooked, and I just registered for my next one. The swim is 750 yards, and I'm kind of nervous about that, but I know I can do it. I'll send you some pictures. Thank you again, Nikki. And she sent a picture of her uh, in her wetsuit and a picture of her on the bike, and she is a cutie. She's a youngster, just a young girl. So uh, congratulations, and super exciting that you have caught the bug. And hey, here's a little wetsuit, taken off your wetsuit tip. Okay, so you're coming into shore, and you're still in the water. And as you're getting close to the shore, grab the front of your wetsuit down, And make sure it gets a a lot of water inside it. Just pull it down and and let it scoop up some water. So the water will kind of go inside your wetsuit, even though there might be some in there already. It'll just put some fresh water in. Fills up the chest cavity, starts going down your arms and legs. When you get out of the water, as soon as you get out and start running, uh, grab the back, undo the zipper, and pull your arms out one at a time while there's still water in your wetsuit. And you do it while you're running. It's not hard to do. And if you pull the one down and and then the other, and you'll just have it sitting around your waist. And then at that point, you can um, pull off your goggles and wets in your uh, swim cap, if you like. And uh, continue running to transition with your wetsuit still on, but hanging down around your waist. Then when you get to transition, you can drop your goggles and your swim cap. And now all you have to do is pull it off the lower half of your body. And it's a lot easier um, if you've already got the top half off. So you'll have a quicker time. And having that water in there and doing it right away while the water's still in there um, makes it super, super, well, super easy, but way easier to get it off. If you wait until you get into transition by then, most of the water that you trapped in there will have drained out and uh, it won't work as well. So that's my little hint for you. All right, so thanks for that, Nikki. Great job. Then I got an email from Wendy, and I love this one. She said, just a bit of background first. I'm a 67... Yeah, female, 67-year-old female. In the last six years, I have walked five half marathons and a full marathon. That one was truly ugly as I staggered across the finish line in eight hours. And I told my husband that if I ever decided to do another one, he was under orders just to shoot me. (laughs) Anyway, she goes on to say, as I started to train for another half marathon, I had a hard time getting started. Facing the loss of another couple of toenails, as I did every year, and lots of time on the treadmill through the summer. I live in southwest Florida, hot, 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 and drippingly humid. I noticed an announcement for a sprint try an hour's drive away from our house, and I went up to watch. Well, that did it for me. I brought, bought a bike, not having been on one for 30 years. I joined a local public pool, never having had, um, had swimming lessons or been in the water over my head for 25 years. And I looked around for podcasts to help guide my training. Enter Kelowna Girl. What a pleasure to hear someone who isn't young enough to be my grandchild. Thank you for your common sense, humor, and practical advice. Yeah, I have to say, uh, Wendy, it's, it was very nice to hear your, your email. And uh, I, I can so relate to everything you just said. And good on you for doing it when you're 67. It's just awesome to be starting. Um, and you're not really starting because you've been fit from all the walking and running that you've been doing. But uh, good for you. And I'm really excited to hear about how it goes. Uh, She goes on to say, here's my question. I'm aiming for a September sprint try. It'll be quite warm, so wetsuits won't be an issue. So what do I wear? After spending a fair amount of money thus far, I'd like to manage with what is already in my closet. I have a one-piece Speedo and and some uncomfortable bike shorts. Also, lots of jog bras and running shorts. I know you're not supposed to wear anything under bike shorts, so I probably shouldn't throw them on over my bathing suit. But with only a 13-mile bike race, I'm thinking I can get away with the bathing suit and running shorts over it for the bike and run. My goal is just to finish, and if possible, not be last. The good news is that the prizes are five deep in each age group, and there were only three women in my age group that did the race last year, so those are odds I like. Thanks again for your podcast. All right. All right uh and i responded to her i'm looking for my email i didn't put it in here well anyways i'll just tell you um i told her as first of all my very first race i had um uh, my outfit all planned out with i had bike shorts and a tank top i was going to wear and it turned out that uh at the very last minute my my race was uh no wetsuits like the day before because the water was too warm and so i was scrambling to find something to wear And I ended up swimming in my swimsuit. And then I pulled my bike shorts on right over top of my swimsuit. And apart from being difficult to pull uh, tight bike shorts on over top of a wet a wet body, I mean, and wet uh, swimsuit, um, it worked out fine. You know, and it was my first race. It didn't really matter. Uh, You know, of course, you know, my swimsuit was underneath my bike shorts. It was riding up a little bit, but... And I just kept pulling it off my butt when I was running, but whatever, I didn't really care. And uh, I had a little tiny bit of chafing from uh, the leg bands of my wet swimsuit under my bike shorts. But, you know, in a short race, it's not really a big deal. So you can certainly get away with doing that. You can also get away with, uh, depending on how your butt is used to riding a bike, um, you can certainly put running shorts over your swimsuit and and just get out there and um, um, ride in just in just uh, running shorts. Although personally, I'm more comfortable with bike shorts just because I want a little bit of padding. Now I have gone to wearing tri shorts only, which have a lot less padding, but they don't soak up the water and I'm used to riding in them all the time. So I don't even wear bike shorts anymore. Um, but uh, what I usually do actually is wear bike shorts or uh, I wear my tri shorts or you could wear bike shorts with not too much padding and I wear, I'll wear a sagoy tank top. Um, it has a built-in shelf bra, and I don't really need anything more than that. And I wear that in the water, and I've swum in it too. And it's it's not like as sleek as wearing a swimsuit, but it's fine. And then I get out of the water, and I'm ready to, to ride my bike. I've only had to do it once. Um, I, was, I was prepared to do it, and most of my races have all been wetsuit friendly, so it hasn't been a big issue. But um, those are definitely two options that you can do, and I emailed her and told her about that. So good luck. I'm looking forward to hearing about yours. And uh, hey, make sure you send us a race report. Reading her email, though, just kind of reminded me of a story, a conversation I had with my mom the other day. And uh, it was kind of funny. My mom started running when she was in her 40s and she's done a few 10Ks and she runs uh, mostly she just runs for fun. Hasn't run any races for a long time. And now, because she goes to the gym quite often and does a lot of different aqua fit and a, a number of different classes of things, um, she's only been running once a week. And she said to me the other day when we were sitting down, she said, You know, I used to be able to run 5K pretty consistently in 30 minutes. That was kind of my time 30 minute run, and I did 5K. And now, you know, the other day when I went for a run, you know, I said, I noticed I did it in 36 minutes. And, and another day I was 37, and now I'm kind of averaging about 36 minutes. She says I don't know why and i'm like mom you're 75 years old you're almost 76 how many women your age run at all how many women your age can even walk 5k you know i mean she's in really good shape and she can do the 5k in 36 minutes she has no clue uh, how many uh, younger people would love to be able to run 5k in 36 minutes so good job mom anyways <laughs> And I think just yesterday I got this one from Megan in Southern California. She says, hi, Barb. I am training for my first triathlon and I just found your podcast. It's given me some great motivation and inspiration. Thank you. I love listening to your life stories and your dedication to fitness. I am doing the Black Ridge Sprint Triathlon in Utah at the end of the month. I've been running consistently for the past two years or so and I feel pretty comfortable with my run. Although I'm not sure how it will be after swimming and biking. Um, I love, I'd love. i love to have more training time, but my husband is working on a combined residency and PhD pro- program. I have two kids, age 4 and 2, and I also watch my niece and nephew, who are also age 4 and 2. I'm following one of the training programs from the Beginning Triathlete, Triathlete website, so I just hope that I'll be ready. I'll let you know how it goes. Thanks again. So thanks very much, Megan. And I am super in awe of, of you youngsters who... Uh, are able to do all this training with little children, especially two and four. I can so remember when my daughters were four and two. And I'll tell you right now, I don't think I had the chutzpah to get out there and do uh, a bunch of training. So excellent job. Uh, Megan, my big advice to you would be to um, do some short 15 minute runs after a bike ride. Do that maybe like at least once a week or even twice a week. Um, If you go out for a bike ride, as soon as you get home, just right away within like three or four minutes put on your running shoes and just run just 15 minutes and when you first start doing that it'll feel really really heavy but uh, if you do it three or four times you'll find the run is a lot easier um, for the race and also since you've been running for a couple years you'll probably find that uh, the run isn't as difficult uh, after the bike as it is for some people but definitely that would be my biggest piece of advice and we look forward to hearing how it goes for you all right, that is some wonderful emails. I really appreciate that from uh, Shelley and Leslie and Nicole and Wendy and Mish and Megan, like a whole whack of you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, all right, now I am going to say goodbye, and I'm going to before I leave, I'm going to play some um, uh, a mini podcast within a podcast from Doug. Doug just went out on a big cycling uh, a ride, a bike ride. Um, it was an organized ride with his son and it's really cool. The two of them working on this ride together, he recorded it, some of it in the car and, uh, um, just the last part of it is a little tricky to hear, I think he said it was he was in his jeep, but it 's it's definitely worth a listen and he 's got some good music in there, um, so he 's kind of like a little show inside a show, so thanks very much, Doug, for sending it to me i 'd love to uh support you um, it 's about sixteen minutes long, so that 'll be the last uh, bit of it. and i won 't play my regular uh, exit music today. Uh, so if you want to email me, it's colonagirlatgmail.com, K-E-L-O-W-N-A-G-U-R-L.com, um, and at at I should say. You can also go to colonagirl.com to find links to everything. That's just my regular blog, but you'll definitely see links to my show with the show notes and, um, and ways to follow me on Twitter and Daily Mile and Facebook and all of that good stuff, so. Have a great week in training, and I'll probably talk to you in a week. All right. Bye-bye, and here is Doug.
1: do a 30 mile bike ride tomorrow me and my son Colton and uh, it's in a little town about 30 minutes away from us and it's the night before we're getting things ready how you feeling
2: okay i o- guess
1: okay are you nervous I'm-
2: Oh, not really. It's only 30 miles.
1: Only 30 miles? Yeah. <laughs> What's the longest we've done so far for you? I've well, done 20.
2: About, I've done about 13.
1: done 13? Yeah.
2: That's but a, it's an easy course.
1: It's an easy course? Yeah. That's what they all say. <laughs> then it's hilly.
2: That's horrible.
1: <laughs> it's got you nervous, isn't it?
2: A little. No, thanks.
1: <laughs> It'll be all right. We're going to go slow. There's three or four rest stops, so we'll be able to stop and get water and stuff.
2: Yeah, it's in the morning. That's good, because yeah. it's been really hot here. Yeah,
1: so morning will help us a little bit. But I've got my uh, rope that I'm going to tie to the back of your bike so you can pull me. Oh. <laughs> oh, shoot, I let that out of the bag, did I? I wasn't supposed to say that. So... All right, so you're doing okay. Night before,
2: huh? I guess, yeah. All
1: right, we might we might record a little bit before the race tomorrow, or first thing in the morning. I'll shove a mic in your face and say, "How are you doing this morning?" What do you think about that?
2: No comment. No comment. <laughs>
1: before or after your coffee in the morning?
2: Uh, after.
1: Okay. All right. We'll talk at you guys later. So it's the next day. We're halfway done. We're 15 miles in. How you feeling?
2: A little winded.
1: A little. A little winded. A little winded. I'm winded, sweaty, but that last rest stop was good. We had uh, yeah. apples. Pickle. Yeah, apples with peanut, peanut butter. butter, pickles, snickerdoodle mm, cookies. Yeah, that sounds good. Mmm, sugar. We'll be yeah. let down here for too long. And watermelon. I had a watermelon. So, I didn't. That was good. We're just enjoying the countryside. Nice out here today, actually. It's a little warm, but we've been riding in the shade mostly, so that's a plus.
2: Last one's in the division, thanks to Dad.
1: Yeah. We're, we're bringing up the rear. Yeah. But,
2: uh, we've got passed by yes, many people.
1: Yes. That's alright. We're just out here to enjoy ourselves. We're no Lance Armstrongs. We're not getting paid to do this. <laughs> If we were we'd still be last I want to I I watch this look at the scenery alrighty well we'll cut her out for now uh, we'll be back later 40 minutes ago we just got done eating we uh, finished the 28 mile track that they had laid out they had a 28 45 a 66 and a 100 mile loop Hmm. Uh, we've done the 28 just starting out since we're still learning and going and building up to speak
2: for yourself dude
1: yeah (laughs) so what'd you think of it
2: it was pretty good. It was
1: pretty good. Okay, good. yeah, I about
2: broke down there, mile twenty-two, but it was. Well, I did break down, but we got right back going. So. That's
1: right. You climb back up on the horse and throws you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's understandable. It, it was getting hot. It's ninety-four. What? It's ninety-four out. The heat index is already past hundred, so. That's understandable. We we just found some shade in somebody's yard and waited yeah. it out just a little bit. Got cooler and took off again. We'd find somebody else shade on down the road and get in underneath it.
2: Yeah.
1: So we're done all right. You done good for your first twenty-eight miler.
2: Thank
1: you. Your butt hurt?
2: Just a little. Leg leg hurt? Uh, no, it's mostly my knees.
1: Your head hurt? Uh, it did. It did? It
2: did. I'm feeling fine. Don't rub it in. <laughs>
1: righty. Well, okay. that'll that'll be it. We'll do a recap maybe later. We gotta get home. Sure. See ya Sore?
2: I'm a little sore. It was the hills that got me. A little, a little sore? Yeah. You can
1: probably hear it rain in the mic. Um,
2: yeah. So
1: you're a little sore. Is it farther than you thought it was going to be? I mean, in your mind, you heard 28, 30 miles all day, but once you got out there and you got to be going,
2: yeah, it was a little farther. Yeah, just a little Nine miles, okay. uh,
1: There's, okay. there's our DPS. Um, so it was a little farther than you thought. Huh? So, did at any point on the race, or on the race ride, did you, uh, did you want to quit, or were you happy all the yeah. time, or were you glad for the rest stops, or
2: I was. Glad for that one rest stop around mile, about halfway, yeah. Yeah. And then I was, I was happy for most of it, but about mile twenty-two, I wanted to give up. But then you said something about Taco Bell for lunch, and that gave me the inspiration I needed. Yeah.
1: Perked up.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: give up, but you decided not to. You dug deep, didn't you? Yeah. Dug deep
2: down. Try tried. Then we went home, and I took a nap, and we watched the Tour de France. Yeah, watched the Tour de France and dreamt that
1: we were out there.
2: Yeah. They got nothing on us. <laughs> for miles.
1: They got nothing on us, that's for sure. So, uh, would you do it
2: again? Yeah, I'd do it again. I want to train for the MS-150, so... Yeah. It's going to be a lot farther than 28 miles,
1: but... Yeah. I was... I'm feeling pretty good. I didn't... My legs aren't too bad sore or anything like that, a, I could have won another probably 30, taking my time, uh, pushing it it was, okay. it was a good, it was a good ride. It started to get hot there towards the end, though. It. it was about ninety-seven. The index about hundred plus, so it was, it was draining, honestly. It was, yeah, it was pretty text So, did we meet any interesting people out there on the
2: course? Or? Yeah, there were some really cool people. There was elderly couples that were riding together. Cool. We seen quite
1: a few tandem bikes. That, the
2: tangram things. The t- tandem, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Tandem bikes. I yeah,
1: call them the, tannagrams. Uh, uh, overall, we had a real good day, so we'll be doing another one, not this next weekend, but possibly the weekend after. So it's going to be a fifty miler, but I don't know if we'll do that. We may cut off ten miles. I think do forty, so that way. Just keep stepping up. So but uh, you got anything else to add? No not early.